This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. And welcome back to Educational Triage. This is Tony. And this week, uh, we're going to do things just a little differently because Philip and I, we talked about um, building a great alternative ed program school uh and the curriculum, but what we talked about was the curriculum. We didn't talk anything about some ways that you can actually get a foothold in the curriculum and build the curriculum so that it's manageable and it's empowering and powerful for both you, the building, and the student. And that's what I really felt as though we missed the boat on. So... This week, prior to the episode that we have on curriculum where Philip and I discuss different types of curriculum, I'm going to talk to you about development, curriculum development, and maybe some processes that, or processes that you might want to take a look into, Um, maybe have a couple of resources, maybe something that will help you maybe change, maybe fiddle-faddle with whatever it is that you have. If something's not working, maybe you want to try something. Um, I'm going to be laying things out for a full term or for a full year. At least that's what the, the prospect is. But actually, if you take some ideas that I'm going to toss to you and you do them for, say, two to three weeks, bravo. That's that would be fantastic. And I think that you'll see the benefits of it um, and make it work for you. Don't you know how you take a recipe and you look at it and you're if any of you cook, because I love to cook and bake. And so what I do is I follow the directions and then I think to myself, you know what, what if I added this instead? So then I play around with it and, you know, and I manipulate it because, and then it becomes more my own. That's what you should do. More and more, um, increasingly so, districts and buildings are demanding that teachers teach from specific texts and that they do it in a specific way or else they use specific programs that have to be done a specific way. And so teachers are losing a ton of their autonomy. This gives you autonomy and it gives the students autonomy. In fact, this is very empowering. 
And why that is, it's it all has to do with assessment. It all has to do with schools demanding that specific things are taught to students. I am of the mind, and I've been very successful um, with my students in that they learn how to extrapolate information from what they're reading. They learn how to do maths. They learn how to take part in sciences, and they learn those things. If you are doing a good job of teaching the materials that the students are supposed to learn, and you work with the students in order to get them to where they need to be for their learning, and you're not paying attention to what other people are demanding that you do for a test, but you're doing your job, which 98% of you want to be able to do, and 98% of you are incredible with your jobs, you'll get the students there. When you are told what you will teach and how you will teach it, then everything becomes bland and the students see it and nobody really wants to participate in that. And so learning might not come along and it's not as exciting. You have less engagement with it. So um, play along with me today. Let's take a look and let's see what we have. All right. Um, curriculum, you know, is the foundation of the school. And you can have the people, the building, and the books, but unless you have the curriculum that is going to jibe with the students and the teachers, you don't have very much at all. You really don't. It's because curriculum is the mapping and the direction of the materials and working with them that blends them into a cohesive substance that can be digested and filtered by everybody involved. This includes the students, the staff, and everybody in the community that comes into contact with the people using it. So I want you to think about this. Let's play travel agent. All right? Because we all know the destination... And that's the goal. But the journey is decided by whom? Do the materials and books determine the journey? Does the administration determine the journey? Does the teacher, the staff, community, or the student? This all depends on how you operate. Okay? For the most part, a good alternative education program focuses on the student. And they are the central part, and everything is about the student. Now, maybe you need to poke and prod and do whatever you do in order to get them there, but um, we will focus on the student, and we are going to guide them along the way. So a great deal has also been said about integrated curriculum, and that's what we're going to operate as though we're doing. So this is a system in which the student participation would project towards a specific goal. For instance, a project in which they could demonstrate an outcome. So think of it as an experiment. Think of it as they have a hypothesis and they have observed and they make an educated guess. And so they're going to do an experiment on that. Um, Students are then going to focus on elements that they would need 
in order to fulfill the steps of the project. So let's use an example of creating and generating power using photosynthesis. Now, maybe that's like going way out on a limb, but plants do it and they're able to survive through photosynthesis because of sunlight. Now, if you can generate some kind of power from a form of photosynthesis, I mean, we're thinking solar panels, but let's go with a cleaner way of doing it because we also know that they use rare earth minerals and the mining of rare earth minerals is not so clean. So, and think about that first, that first scriber, that first adjective of the name of the minerals, which is rare. So that doesn't mean that they are in abundance. So if we're going to go, let's, why can't we look at photosynthesis? Why not? I mean, it's just something that they can explore, they can look at, and we can see. So first, students are going to take a look at what it is that they are trying to do. Uh, they also need to figure out the steps, what resources they need, what skills they need to demonstrate. And this may be that they need to show you the maths, biology, chemistry, English language, arts, organic chemistry, maybe, as well as physical, but we don't tell them that, as well as physical materials such as books and elements of the experiment. They'll also need to work together. Let's say that there might be a team of them that want to do this. And they're going to have to journal. And I'm going to bring this up again, but you too are going to have to journal because I would like you to be able to have some kind of a journal on each one of the students with the progress that they made each day. So the journey, remember we talked travel, to reach the goal is the important factor. And the students will be learning as they process and progress with the teachers guiding and working with them. So maybe you're working in collaboration with other teachers. And so let's say that the students come up with that and you think to yourself, oh Lord, how are we going to do this? So you meet with the other teachers and you start doing a plot of your own. And I'm going to go over some of the things that you need to have in those maps and a good resource for you to find that. Um, but I also believe that you can do this pretty much on your own as well. So you are going to be just watching and advising because it's not your job to intercede and tell the students what to do. You can learn from the students and their processes. You can watch and advise. But remember, this is about student empowerment, and it's about the students learning. Now, maybe they need to learn something. Maybe there are times that you're going to have to teach a mini lesson or something like that with those students. And this doesn't mean that every time that the students walk into the class that they're going to be working on this. No, you're probably going to have to start teaching some uh, basic skills, too, that to meet the regular standards. You're going to have to be doing some reading. You're going to have to be doing other things. So the project is not going to be the all-encompassing 
event that they are going to constantly walk through the door, get that done. That's what's going to take up the majority of the time in the class. They're going to have time to work on that during the class time. But then let's say that you are the biology or the chemistry or the math teacher or the English teacher. You're going to teach your stuff to the students because you have things that you need to teach them. And you get through that but everything is going to be something that they can put in their little jolly knapsack of skills and powers, and they will come in handy at some point, and so you can always refer back to them. So that doesn't mean every day is a mini lesson. It means that some days maybe you're going to take up the entire period, and they're going to have to put their projects on hold, but their projects will constantly be going. And I'm going to tell you that I'm not really... I'm not really gung-ho on homework because there are a lot of reasons why students may not be able to do their homework. So let's have them do the work there in class if they can. But what if a student misses? Well, how do you rectify that? Do you have something online that the students can access so that they understand what's going on? So that's something else for later. So going back, working with students in this format where they're going to be working on teams and they're going to be doing something at the side and you're working on a team as well, maybe, um, or maybe you're working in a partnership or something, however you set up your school or your program your learning, the learning that you're setting up is going to be relevant. And since the students are going to be creating their own maps and guides, everything is honed down to the particulars. And maybe there's going to be more that they're going to want to branch out on, but, you know, that's going to have to be reined in a little bit by you. So maybe you want to put them to work on their project at varying parts of the day. And so you can map that out with the other teachers. So maybe electives also play a part in this. If you have welding and maybe there might be something that they want to put together with that, there might be materials, PE, maybe, I don't know. Um, this is entirely up to the team and how you plan to plot out the learning. So think about that. You have endless possibilities now. So depending on how you schedule the day and how you put everything together, um, to me, it's absolutely exciting. And if you have like-minded individuals working with you, then you've got it. If you have people who are not creative and are more the managerial types, you're going to run into problems. So you have to figure out how you're going to do that. Maybe you're going to have to do more of the foundational work, and then you're going to work with them on how they're going to do it. Maybe you become the project manager for the program, and they just do their relevant parts, and you figure out and negotiate with them as to when they're going to be doing this in their classes. So let's talk about the planning. Remember, we talked about the journey. We're now in the process of going down the path that will lead us to our goals. So maybe just maybe we want to map this out. And if we're truly student-centered, we're going to include the students in charting this out. 
And I'm going to say that with a caveat. Make sure that you have a big, long plan. Or maybe you want to chart it out with the students. And then if it looks as though it's going to be this immense thing that's going to take all year, maybe more than a year, maybe you just want to get a component of it done. So maybe you want to keep it to a term. Maybe you want to keep it to a semester. That's between you and the student and that's and your team. And maybe you want to keep things when you first begin. Maybe you want to keep everything very simple and then you can build out and flesh it out. So, but keep the student in mind. Don't think about how you're going to torture the students. That's not student-centered. Okay. So we have several methods in order to brainstorm and put things out. You have inspiration software, which I love, and I know students like it, and it's a great way of um, putting things together as a brainstorm on the computer screen and then flipping it and turning it into an outline. You could use lucid charts, which uh, districts can get. Um, they have a way of doing things so that you can figure out different ways of putting together um, a systems. And there are others that I'm sure that maybe you have that you found. There may be something that uh, has come into your hands from somebody. There are so many different programs that are out there. Use whatever is most comfortable for you and will work best for your students. So you figure out what the unit, the project, the theme, or what have you is going to produce what understanding, what abilities, and what are your projected outcomes? In other words, where do you want to be at the end? And maybe you already have a great understanding of your population, and you can put together the year's goals and outcomes. If you can project those, then you can begin to work your way backward. The rationale for this is pretty simple. You know where you want to be, and now you got to figure out how you're going to get there. So now you begin to make the travel plans with the students because maybe the student doesn't want to fly there. Maybe the student wants to take a little rowboat and go island, 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 island. Maybe they want to hike. Maybe they want to mountain bike. This is all figurative. But I'm sure you catch my drift. Okay. So how and when do you involve the students? Well, that's entirely up to you, but it's better to do it too soon than too late because you don't want to be doing all the work and then telling them that this is how they're going to do it. They, they, no, they need to have a say in how they're going to do it. So let's say you have the standards for your freshman students because it's easier to work from a population we know and love. Now, begin to piece together each quarter, as you would, what benchmarks would you consider that they need to hit? Now, break those down and also think about ideas as examples that perhaps the students will want to explore in order to meet the benchmark for that particular quarter. So, if you go through the standards, you should be able to find what those are. 
right? So don't overshoot. Don't make it too mushy-mushy. Just keep it really simple and plain. And this is negotiation time. Can they filter those standards into their project? Same thing can be said for biology, for algebra, geometry. Maybe they're going to do a little bit of advanced mathematics and then, you know, what do they need to do in order to get there? The reason why I say that maybe they will, I want you to think back to the movie October Sky where the guys are watching Sputnik and all of a sudden they want to build a rocket and they start doing it and they need to rehone everything that they've been doing and they start getting into it and everything becomes relevant. Everything comes together for them and they start creating actual rockets and they start doing the calculations and they're using the calculus and they're just they're able to really start putting together all the components to the point where they can start teaching this stuff. And that's what you want to be able to do. You want the students to find something that triggers them, that in a good way, that triggers their curiosity, that triggers their need to learn. Because man is a very, very curious animal. And we need to really work on that because we should never, ever stop being curious, should we? So, also, we want to make sure that they're getting all their skills that they need and rewarding them when they hit those and helping them figure out where they need to revamp in order to keep going. Let's keep it in the growth mindset, right? So let's say you and the student have figured out what they want to do. They have their ideas. And now y'all going to build the big plan. What you want to do is create a map and or a plan for the curriculum. And this is going to be comprised of various components. And you're going to need to confront these as you progress. But shouldn't you bring in the students and explore and create the plan? Well, how invested do you want the student to be? And when changes need to be implemented, shouldn't the students play a part in those as well? Everything's about negotiation. So just think of it as a workplace. Here's where we are with what we're doing. This isn't working. Well, what are some ideas of what we can do? Let's put our heads together and let's put some things down and see what we can do. So with everything that I just said, let's just say yes and let's look at the factors of what we need to figure out. All right. One, what are the essential questions? Here's where you answer the what are you doing, how the student will use, access, and gain from what they're doing, and how does this also filter into the standards and your ability or your team's ability to teach. So are you going to be able to teach all the skills that they need or how are they going to access all the skills that they need? Or is that something that you're going to 
cross when you reach that bridge. Sometimes that works, but it's always good to keep that in mind. So what are you doing? Okay, the kids are trying to figure out if they can create a power source using photosynthesis and how that works. Okay, is there a storage for the energy as well? What can we do as a resource? Or I'm just thinking. So, and I'm sure that there might be one or two of you who are looking at, who are, who are listening to me and saying, this is absolutely a, an absurd idea. Well, I don't know that. I really don't. I'm just throwing it out there. So these are things that you can talk to the student about. Now, later on, you're going to think about in terms of assignments. You might be looking at your lesson plan calendar and where you're going to put these components down in there because you're going to want to plot all of this out anyway. And you want everything to be able to be fungible so that you can move it all around and put it where it needs to go. And so you're going to write it in pencil because we never know what happens every day. And sometimes we have a brilliant idea and it kind of takes off and it bleeds into another day so that you need to rearrange what you have, right? We don't want to be locked in. Okay, two, what's your content? Let's say you're plotting out the year for the term for the project the student is going to work on. How do you break that into chunks? Because the one thing the student doesn't want is to be overwhelmed. Because when you say, here's all the stuff you need to do, and you hand them the binder, and it's not the little triangular binder, you know, with the rings, it, it is flat and level, and it's a giant binder. And so it's got pages and pages and pages. And the student says, this is what I have to do during the year. It's not always a good idea. It's, it might be a better idea to just give them a small taste of what it is that you want them to do in order to get there. And, and you're working together. So, and then match the standards with the chunks. So, are there maths, language, arts, sciences? What are the subjects and the elements of each that the student will learn? And you're going to want to keep this document open because there's a great chance that things are going to change. Or there's going to be something that will creep in. And maybe you need to make some modifications. In other words, you're going to want to keep a living document. And I'm going to say the first time out... Keep it small, keep it simple, and make your timeline short, and then you can broaden it as you go. Maybe you want to see how things go the first quarter, and then you can bleed in the second quarter, and then you can bleed in the third quarter, and bleed in the fourth quarter. And at this time of year, because I know that this is, uh, you're listening to this in November of 22, maybe you want to start at the, at, after the first of the year. And see, because that way everybody's starting brand new. It's up to you. So you also want to be sure that you and the student are viewing the problem from every angle possible.
So the what-ifs. Look at the what-ifs. And so keep those there and have them figure some of those out. The idea is not to produce anxiety. The idea is to produce creative flow. Next, you need to know not what you're going to be teaching, but what are the skills that the students need to develop, learn, hone, and use, and where do those fall? And what are the competencies and the proficiencies that the student should be able to demonstrate and show? And where are those benchmarks? Where do you have those placed on your continuum? And when you get there, how understood are those traits on the rubric for them to understand what it is that you're looking for? And, you know, they should probably also be able to have a say in, in those traits as well. The whole idea is to produce some kind of autonomy, some kind of accountability that the student is also in charge of their own assessment, as well as you. And you have a project that is going somewhere where you're all learning. And it's exciting. So, and then you also need to have evidence of attainment for each of those competencies and proficiencies. So, and then what are the timelines? Do you have a short continuum by this time? Let's go for this and then we can determine what the next benchmark is. Because once you get going and then they start feeling more confident with how they're doing everything, yeah, then you're gonna be there. So what resources are necessary for each step of the process? And the project. What's the calendar? What are the obstacles? And we also need record keeping. That's going to be one of the big pieces. How well are they taking records? So at the end of each class, every time that they work on it, or if they're discussing it, they should be keeping a journal. And I don't mean the team. Let's say that we have Willie, Bobby, Nelly, and and whoever, all on a team. And they say, well, Bobby's the one that's going to be doing the journaling. No, everybody needs to be journaling because they have questions, they have ideas, and they can put those down. And they can take those with them if they want, but they always need to have them. And you yourself should be journaling about each one of those every single day as well about what's working, what's not working, and some insights that maybe you have. I don't care how you journal. It should be something that you do. Does it sound like extra work? Maybe, but you can be journaling while you're working with them too, and just adding notes into that journal. Okay? So it can be something that you're doing on the fly, as opposed to sitting down at the end of the day trying to crank out even more work for yourself. No, don't do that. But instead of being overwhelmed and completely gutted, 
keep everything simple. You want to give the student as much responsibility and autonomy. It should be everybody feeling empowered and just autonomous. And once you begin laying the groundwork and the foundation, the rest will form. That's going to be the hard part. So I would also suggest that the student and you keep the journals and that you review those journals. Okay. So maybe you come to the group and you say, you know what? I had some ideas. How many of you have some ideas that maybe we might put together? Because it seems as though we're not getting to where we need to be on this. And so how about today you just journal what you might think would be a good idea for that? Or maybe we should have a discussion or you have a discussion and then you guys come up with an idea. Come up with like five or six ideas and then let's take a look at them tomorrow or later on today, maybe 10 minutes. As you progress, you're learning how to put together a formula that's going to work for you in the future. Something may not be working for you, and you have a better idea of what's going to work for you. I don't know you. You know you. And that's what's going to work best for you. I can only give you X, Y, and Z and say, here's a way to try this and put this together so that you can help your students be successful while you're trying something new and you're putting it together as well. It sounds like a lot of groundwork. It is. But as a teacher, you know what you're doing. And you pretty much already lay the groundwork before school starts as far as where you're going to be at the end of the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, with what it is you're teaching. This is in addition to and you creating lessons that are smaller, but maybe working with other people to put things together. So it should be a way for you to learn more and also for you to have that creative flow going through your blood. So as we wrap this up, there are several resources that teachers pay teachers. And I realize that there are buildings and districts that are going against teachers pay teachers because they want to be able to control everything, all the narrative and what have you. So depending on what your resources are, you can go with that. Or you can also look at some books and some resources from the Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development, the ASCD. And a lot of administrators filter into that. I was a member for many, many years. Um, and there's a book in there. And you can find it on Amazon. It's called The Curriculum Mapping Planner by Heidi Hayes Jacobs. And Ann Johnson, I'll have it down in the in the show notes for you to take a look at. And there they they do for mainstream curriculum mapping. You can take I've given you a lot of what I feel as though you feel is necessary because you're already going to put out assignments, you're going to figure out some of the other aspects on your own. Um they have all those in there, but the idea is you can take a look at that and then you can 
manipulate it to meet the needs of what it is that you're trying to get your students to do. So my job today is to get your creative juices flowing so that you can start thinking about how would I do X, Y, and Z? How, how would I develop this curriculum? Well, let's have the curriculum start to develop itself where you're not the linchpin in having to develop everything that's there. Let's say that you're going to talk about the reading. Maybe you're going to do some book groups. Maybe you're going to have some writing groups with your students. Um, if you're in biology, what are you going to be able to do? I mean, there are a whole lot of ideas, mathematics. How would you maybe have your students prove some of the I some of the um, you know. I'm at a loss for the word. The content that you're going for, the concepts. There we are. Sorry. How are they going to prove those concepts so that they can show them and they're going to be there? Some kids might be able to do it in a journal where they can explain those. That's not going to work for every student because you have students who are told that they need to do that. Well, you know, they're going to do it, but that's not going to help them learn it. What's the best way for each student to figure it out? And you tell the students they need to come in with some form that's going to work for them for that day and help them start figuring out what their best way of learning is. What are their multiple intelligences? When you're differentiating curriculum, how do you do that? That's what this is all about. You're you're having them differentiate the curriculum to themselves. Also, use the universal design for learning. When you put all of these factors all together, they combust. And when they combust, it's like Albus Dumbledore has waved his wand and poof, you have something magical even if it's not what you would consider to be a grand success, the amount of learning that the students have received with the investment is incalculable. It's fantastic. So I'm going to leave you with that. And I'm going to say, if you have questions, go ahead and email me, educational triage at gmail.com and we will figure this out but one of the best things that I've ever done was stray away from the regular curriculum have my students invest their time and take on autonomy and figure things out with me guiding them not telling them me advising them not telling them, having them make some choices. But they always know what the, you know, if you do this, then this, if you do this, then that, da, 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 da. Let's think this whole thing through. And it's what Heidi Hayes Jacobs and Ann Johnson call flip, the, the flip coin, where you look at both sides of the coin. Take a look at that. Take a look at it for yourself think on it 
and good luck. And next week, Philip and I will be talking about different ways that we have taught and different ideas for curriculum. So that might be able to spark something in you as well. Okay. Thank you so much for your attendance. Thank you so much for listening. And I am going to say, have a fantastic time. Goodbye.